mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi everyone, it's Beatrice. It's Tammy. And it's Sharon and welcome to the BTS podcast. As you should be able to tell by the title, we have a very special guest with us today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey guys, my name is Tito, Tito, depends who's who's calling my name. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me started, don't get me started. Um, But yeah, at home I'm, I'm known as Tito. Um, I'm 25. Oh wow! I'm 25, and I have sickle cell anemia. Um, and I just use like different social media platforms and blogs just to talk about my experiences with it. Do you wanna? Maybe it makes sense to plug your um your Instagram. Um, yeah. So my account is called Her Sickle Journey. Um, so I don't know if I should spell it, but it's H E R S I C K L E D. J O U R N E Y. That's pretty much the If you can't spell that all, if you can't spell journey, then we have to be making use of your time and listening to this pod, boy. Honestly, and we'll link it as well in our on our Instagram and stuff. We'll put it in our story, etc. And it will be in the description of this episode. So, no matter where you guys are listening from, you should be able to access the Instagram from here. How are you guys this week?s Tell me how's your job going? Um, yeah, uh okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only been like one week. Why As do you in... sound like you're beaten and bruised? Nah, because yesterday I worked quite I worked till late and I was just like, Dang. Oh my god, is this the life? Like it's only been one week. But other than that, I'm actually enjoying it. Um it's this there's a lot to learn, if that makes sense. So um I'm just doing a lot of learning. I feel like I'm back at uni, if that makes sense. Mm. So, yeah, it's just a lot of learning, a lot of things to get used to, systems, because we, we we communicate on Slack. We don't use, like, Teams okay. or anything. Okay. So use Slack and then use Google Meets if you want to have, a, like, a video call. And then my company is quite small, so it's not like you can not put on your camera, if that makes sense. Like, mm. so always have to be... And today was really hot. So I just, I didn't want to be at my workstation. I was just going around the house, things like that. But yeah, other than that, it's going well. I'm enjoying it. And that's about it. Oh, that's good. Beatrice, how are you? Um, yeah, man's here in it. Um, 
was I going to say? Oh, I got an email yesterday to say that, yeah, it's been three years since I started working. And I just thought to myself, wow, wow, three years. Like, I'm, when I tell you, like, and I tweeted this, and I'm not even joking. I think yeah. people, people think I'm exaggerating. People must think I'm bantering. But genuinely, I am ready to retire right now. Like, honestly, <laughs> hand me some money and I'm ready to just dip. Like, Maybe. honestly. There's no, I mean, career, career, yeah, we get it. But at the end of the day, listen, I'm here for the mullah. I'm here for the money. If someone handed me that pot of money, I best believe I'm going to take it and I'm not going to do anything with my career. Like, <laughs> that is going to go, like, it's not going to be there, essentially. So, um, yeah, I was just deep in like, wow, three years and I'm already feeling like this. How do people work for however long they work for? Like, I just, mm. I just can't deal, man. But um, honestly, it's actually the biggest God day moment, like, genuinely I feel like it's actually day by day because even me today I was even speaking to someone and I was like yeah you know your career can be like 40 years I said 40 years Mm -hmm. (laughs) hey hey forbid sorry that's actually a god forbid for me you know I can't even lie to you 40 years I'm not doing that I can't oh gosh getting on the train oh hell nah Oh, are you still gathering client requirements at 60 years old like oh, what i'm tired man but um nice, yeah but then apart from that i've been dealing with like one disgusting cough but obviously i've done my test you know me anyway i've done all my tests and my checks and it's 100 not covid um and actually like i've seen a couple of tweets of people yeah. basically saying that yeah i was been... gonna say that yeah like, there's one nasty thing going around wow. it's not covid but there's someone tweeting someone because obviously some, someone said that oh there's this nasty like um mm. cold cough whatever going around yeah um <laughs> there's someone to it that's what everybody said in in um <laughs> November. winter 2019 <laughs> yeah <laughs> the next thing you know it was a pandemic so boy <laughs> it's so true but um yeah I think I must have that I don't even know where and how I caught it and what's weird is that like I'm around people and no one's catching it so like Obviously, I know it's bacterial, but I thought that if I'm coughing and stuff, like, people who I'm hanging around with would obviously get it. Mm. But no one has literally caught it from me. So, obviously, I'm really happy. Like, I don't want anyone to catch it. <laughs> I'm not trying to get anyone <laughs> to catch it. But, yeah, it's just jarring that, like, it's just not shifting. Mm. Um, and I've got, like, so many presentations that I'm dealing with, like, workshops. And like, and I'm t- when I'm talking on Teams or if I'm talking in person, like, my voice suddenly starts moving croaky and then, I'm just like, yeah, this ain't it, y'all. Like, I can't, I can't be dealing with this. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that it clears soon because it's just so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And then, um, sorry, last thing to add, I would, oh god, yesterday I did an insanity workout. Yeah, oh, brother, with this your cough and your chest. Yeah, because I just thought, you know what, maybe another thing that might be making me feel like, you know, when you just feel like you're a bit run down. Mm. I realized, mm-hmm. not not even realized, I've already been knowing that I haven't like been going to the gym like I used to um and typically when I when I kind of take long breaks my body feels like it needs it if that makes sense Mm. um so I thought I thought yeah you know what let me just do a quick insanity workout brother Mm. I can't remember what the name of that guy that leads that insanity workout is Sean T Sean T there's no jigger there there's actually no (laughs) jigger there because that workout yeah, it's crazy. It shocks me that, every time. It shocks. It will shock you. And yeah. what's so mad is that the warm up humbles you every time. Every like, oh time. Every single time. Like the sweat that was coming off my body after yeah. the workout and after the warm up alone 
And then he said, yeah, water break, let's go into it. I said, go into what? <laughs> Have yeah. we not completed what we're, what we're here for? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> nah, it was mad. I remember still. when I did it with my brother and he was like, uh, I was like, oh, are you not going to get some water? Like, beforehand, when we were just, like, setting up the conservatory or whatever. And he was like, no, nah, I'll be fine. I said, <laughs> it's because you've not done this before. If you saw the way this boy was rolling on the floor. And my brother's very, very, very fit, but... That insanity, it's insane. I mean, mm. like, it's just so hard. It's genuinely so hard. Yeah, it's true. But, um, yeah, that's basically my week still. Sorry for rambling on. That's all right. Tito, what about you? How's your week? Um, It's been okay. It's just it's been... Just... Uh, I've taken on, like, a couple um extra, like, freelance jobs where it's all kind of tied into what I do. Um, mm. So I, I write a lot of content, but now it's, like, different people are asking me to do different things and it's just like kind of like I'm I'm stretching myself um mm. so I'm just kind of trying to like stay on top of things and try and stay like original and not and like do different pieces of work with different people it's just a bit more than I'm used to but it's just I'm just trying to get used to it basically but it's been okay like I can't I can't complain um but yeah that's that's probably like nothing's really exciting right now um but that <laughs> that's that's my life right now just just trying to was trying to get to it to be honest mm. no that's so good and the thing is as well I well I don't know if it's just me but I feel like writing is actually so difficult yeah like it's, <laughs> it's just, crazy yeah it's actually just not easy and like what you were saying as well about being original and stuff like that mm. so hard like I just remember my mum always talks about this but I did A-level English and I remember like honestly I was just mm. like why the heck did I do this to myself like <laughs> why is this so hard is it not yeah. to just read books but nope <laughs> no. that takes me back to gcse times lord hi have... <laughs> lord wow. have mercy honestly mm. english is actually such a difficult subject but now that's good sounds good um my week's been basic to be honest it's only tuesday um but i have the whole week off and i think i explained this in the last episode but um yeah I extended my leave because I didn't want to tell anyone that I was quitting so I've told my client manager to tell my team so they'll deal with it when they're ready I don't know um (laughs) and I'll be back next Monday I guess to like find out what's left for me to do so yeah I've just been chilling and I started this new episode no this new series on Netflix because people were talking about it and said that it was really good so I've been watching that yeah man what series is that um, it's called Clickbait. Oh, I see people tweet about it. Yeah. Um, a couple of people said that it's, like, amazing. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. I'm on episode three. I'm not really quite getting what's oh. amazing yet, but... I'm, how many um, how many episodes are there in the season? Or how many seasons um, are there? I think it's just one season, and there's eight episodes. Ah. Yeah. But now there's a side character that wasn't there before and she just appeared so i'm thinking okay maybe this is where the excitement comes i don't know mm. but um for me like i find like when people say that a series is 10 out of 10 like i need to be hooked from like episode one yeah um so i'm just trying to understand like what's going on um and i'm trying to like preserve money heist for as long as possible because there's only five episodes in that one and then you have to wait another year to another season so it's not. I don't think. So. I think it's the same season, but apparently it's just in two parts. So it's yeah. just. But it's only five, right? No, there's a second part of the current season, and that's coming out in December. 
Oh, and right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Oh, okay, that's good. That's mm. good, that's good. I have an, um, you know me, I have anxiety when it comes to these things. So now that this new one's come out, it means I can I could actually start watching the old one. I know. Oh, gosh. I know. This mm-hmm. is lucky. This is me with starting new shows as well, because I just feel like I have to finish everything I start. So yeah. I don't like starting new things, because if it's dry, I literally have to finish it. Mm. That's silly. But anyway, sure. Yeah, that's my week. Just Netflix. <laughs> Um, so really random. It's not really to do with this last week, but um, you know how before we were, t- we were gonna talk about Yam Festival, yeah? Mm. I I've literally been like out of the loop, so I haven't I haven't seen anything in regards to Yam Festival. But the one thing I did see was the part where it came to when David O was performing, and it came to the part where he was shouting. You know the last part when he was um, <laughs> oh, <yes>. shouting. <laughs> I saw that video and I was just like, nah, like that's actually funny. Mm-hmm. Like people were saying that he's scared to shout. I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. that yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to describe what kind of event that was. The thing is, yeah, can you just expect? Because obviously, like for me, I don't think I've. Okay, I get that festivals can be bad, but I've actually not experienced a a dreadful festival. <laughs> not so dreadful. I don't know what what in what makes a festival dreadful because that's what I was up. That's what I was trying to explain to people. Like, when you have a festival, obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it. But at the same time, if you have a good DJ, yeah. good people that are have been in lockdown for two years, by the way, basically, <laughs> so they're ready to party. If you have that good DJ, food, and good acts, what could possibly go wrong like obviously it's like i'm thinking of like when we go to wireless and stuff like yeah sometimes maybe the the rowdiness of the crowd and things like that that could be a bit irritating but at the end of the day if you're going there with your friends and there's good music playing there's drinks flowing you're going to the bar you're getting food you're seeing people that you know what could possibly like what could I don't know how to explain that? Like, what could possibly? Yeah, that's what I'm what could, what could, yeah, what could that's what we're so, asking you, Tabitha. What could you make it so dreadful? Okay, so now to answer the question that I've just Let's asked. Let's go asking hypothetical questions. Okay. <laughs> okay, just to answer the question, like, okay, so first thing, I don't know why there's so many cues for food. Like okay. like <clears throat> food and drink. There was the cues were disgusting, like disgustingly bad mm. when i wanted to get food i tried to find the shortest queue and the food that i that i was even queuing for i didn't even want it but i was so hungry that i needed to eat something honestly i was on the queue for an hour mm. and the thing is that was even a short queue there were people on queues for two to three hours just to get a drink <laughs> no you're lying i'm not lying imagine being on a queue for two hours at a festival no by no way Normally, when you're when normally when you're on a queue for a festival, maybe what twenty minutes max. Yeah, max. And look, and it goes quick. Like I don't know how to explain it. Like this one, the line is not moving. Like, and I'm just like, what the hell? And then they went to put all the food stuff in one place. Like there was food, other food dotted around, but like there was like a main like a food kind of. I don't know whether to call it a food court or I don't, I don't know, but all in the same place. So, well. Where you're sitting, people are queuing. So it's just like, oh, I was just like, oh okay. No logistics. What? Next, next thing. Um, what was bad? Okay, so the sound 
was bad. Like the sound, it was really low. It was something to do with the um, Clapham Council. Apparently, um, the, the they didn't want that much noise or something like that. So I think wow. there's one number that um, in the UK where you're allowed to, for festivals, it's allowed <coughs> to be, it's allowed to be that number. Yeah, but for right. some reason, Clapham Council, there was apparently there was a guy there saying that, oh, and to be honest, I only heard about this after the festival had finished, but um, apparently they didn't let it go to like the national limit for the festival. So it was like maybe like 10, 10 something lower or something. 10, uh-uh. The fact that um, DeVito was performing and I couldn't hear him <laughs> tells you everything as that you need to know. As loud as he is, oh. From from someone that shouted, oh no, yeah, we, yeah, you can't. Where I couldn't. I couldn't hear. Like it was. No, that's, was that's, just, that's the whole point of a festival. Festival, like it was just bad. Like who even co-signed Clapham, knowing that you couldn't have like loud. I don't. I don't know. Like obviously, a lot of like a lot of money and effort goes into festivals, but I don't know. I feel like. I don't know. Maybe mm. they didn't have a good project manager. I don't. I, I don't know. Mm. It was just. It was just bad, and it's sad because I don't. <clears throat> sorry. It's it's fine. It's sad because I don't want to be like, oh yeah, it was so like I don't want to bash them, but at the same time, it's just like it just wasn't. It just didn't give away. It was supposed to give. Mm. Oh, so yeah. it was just. I don't know. Damn yeah. Yeah. And yeah, but there was other stuff as well, but I can't I can't actually remember. But those were like the main the music was like Kalani couldn't even perform. I think she performed like three or four songs. Mm. And then she had to like she even came out like before her set like to tell people like it's actually not her fault that she's not on stage right now and it was her thing. And then she was like four songs in and then they cut her off and then Damn. Wow. even Beanie Man, I think Beanie Man came and said, Oh, that they're only letting the Africans play for the full set. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was just like, I was like, where the I'm hell? On a minute. I was like, I, don't know. I was like, wait a damn minute. Like, I just didn't understand what was. It was just, it was just, I don't know. I'm, and I'm not, I'm not sure I'd be attending next year, Sha. Mm. Well, they're gonna have to call it something else, mate. Absolutely, can't be, can't be yeah. Yeah, It's got to be like stew or something. I don't know. Oh, I'm screaming. Absolutely, but I'm um, sorry. Just on the topic of festivals, concerts, all them things there. Finally got a whiskey ticket because somebody shouted. Hey, hallelujah. <laughs> if you serve a, li- a living God, make Man. some noise. Because, because honestly, like, I think for me, though, like, I actually didn't, I didn't try at all because every single time the time was for the tickets to drop, like, I was always banging in the middle of a meeting so I just knew it was just going to be impossible. So yeah. uh, what was so weird is that I was just talking to my mum and I was just like, ah. This babe has like four phones. Surely one of these must be O2. Like, <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. So did you get? Phone. Did you get it on the day of O2 priority? No. no. Got on the last possible. On day the to last get day, no. So what did O2 have to do with it? Because I did get, I did get an O2 priority, but you know how on the last day he dropped the last date. Yeah. At the time when general release was still happening for the day two. Yeah, but I'm just asking, what does it have to do with the O2? Because I got O2, I got it through O2 priority. The last date? Yeah. On the first. Oh. I just, I, oh, okay. Yeah, I so essentially know. what I was saying is that I was, um, 
I was just like, I'm like, surely he must be on OT. She's like, ah, it's true. So we just started typing in the number into every single, every number she had into the, into OT priority. And one of them went through, Jerry. So we realised, yeah, she is on OT. Um, and then I literally just like, you know what, let me just search. Just obviously after all the tickets have dropped, I finished my meeting. I'm just like, you know what, let me just search. And then I see, oh yeah, he's dropped a new date. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, let me just go through O2 priority, just see what's there. Mm. And this is after everyone saying it sold out, it sold out, sold out. And then I literally just went on there and then managed to cop two tickets. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I tried to get I tried to get the new dates, the new date as well, but it was giving me level four, and I was like, Yeah, I'm not doing level yeah, four. Yeah, no, so. no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, Tito, just... Tito, did you manage to get any risky tickets? Yeah. Or are you Yeah, I, I managed. Oh, that's good. Some for myself and some for my friends as well. Uh, hey, yeah. resourceful! Wow. Mm. What date? Every... What date did you choose? Um, so I'm going to the first two dates. Oh wow! Yeah, and then I got um some for my friends for the last day as well. But that one wow. was different. That was literally like while I was in the queue for the second date. Mm. Then we saw the link. It popped up, up like, right? It popped yeah, up at the bottom. yeah. Randomly, yeah. no promo and nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was hectic. It was actually hectic. Wow, I swear people could actually like make a career out of this thing. Honestly, resellers. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I said, Ice needs to start doing something. Maybe she's come up with a guide because she's <laughs> she actually did. Copy. She actually sent me a step by step guide still. But yeah. it didn't help. It didn't help me. Oh right, okay. Well, <laughs> not you just not you just spoiling her potential market. But I said more. <laughs> I'm sure it helped other, other people were tweeting. Yeah, Ice to my savior. Ice to my savior. But. It just didn't, it didn't work out for me. I don't know why though. Like every time I tried to get tickets, like I would load it up on three devices. It's just luck. I think it's just luck. Like Mm. you can read all the guides. Oh yeah, log in at 9.32. And then, you know, like you can do all of that. Mm. But it's actually down to pure luck. Like Mm. depends how many people are in front. Because when I, because I'm only good on the first date, but I tried to get tickets for the other two days, but. It, it just seemed impossible so mm. when I got it the first time I saw there was only like 600 people in front of me so That's I knew cool. I was bound to get a ticket because yeah. 600 people compared to 20,000 is not that yeah. not that many people yeah. so I knew I was gonna get a ticket but the other days I was like 10,000 people in front of me 9,000 I just like Tammy, just, there was it's... a day where I only had 200 people in front of me and I still didn't get a ticket no way like I literally really? was, yeah like but I maybe literally... that was a bit later no, 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 no. <laughs> I joined, I was on my laptop from nine and then I joined, you know how you can join the queue early before 10 when it actually Yeah, nine thirty. Yeah. I only had 200 people in front of me. When oh, I then I, the I actually don't know what, what went on. <laughs> when I got to the point where I could choose tickets and I literally have like clicked like two standing or like two sitting, whatever I put and it wouldn't let me add it to the basket. Hmm. Uh, do you know what? I think... For this week, I think a lot of people were trying to get seated tickets. Yeah. Level mm. one. I think those were the most like popular ones. I think loads of people mm. were trying to get that. So a lot of people had to settle for level four. And mm. me, after that tweet that I tweeted, there's no way anyone can ever see me. Oh, in level four. T- yeah, you <laughs> can't there. even be caught there. I cannot be caught. <laughs> I cannot be caught in level because four, so they will catch you in four. They'll catch you. They're like, "Wait, aren't you the girl?" Like, ah, so, are you in Lagos or London? Like, which one are you? So, let me just <laughs> let me just stay. Like, even though I've got standing, I still don't mind. So, I'll just I'll just stand. Like, I tried to get the other dates I wanted to get. I wanted to try and get seated, but it was like 
everybody was trying to get level mm. one. So, and the ones that were left were like three hundred pounds. Oh yeah, um, that's what I saw as well. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, there's absolutely no. <laughs> Although I did see one, but I was just like, I did. I think I told you, Sharon. I saw one, yeah. but it was like a hundred and twenty. And you know when mm. you just see how cheap that standing is, like, I forgot how yeah. cheap oh, the my... tickets were. Oh yeah, honestly, if the if the range of tickets were like a hundred plus, then I wouldn't mind. Okay, yeah, of course, paying a couple more. But the fact that the tickets I actually that bought was forty eight out, yeah. too, the gap was too much. Sorry, yeah, it's not making sense. It's the same music that you're going to be hearing, as in, as and in. the thing is, when you're sitting, like you won't stand for the majority of the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, because when I went to Burner Boy, obviously I was standing, and apparently. Loads of people came down from like level four to level one. Yes, yeah. I saw this girl tweet and I was crying. So obviously, you know how Burner had already said his thing on Instagram about how he sold out at the prices he wanted, blah, 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 mm-hmm. whatever. Then one babe was like, ah, ah, Burner, don't lie. Like, if you sold out, I wouldn't have been able to move from level four to level one, all 11 of us. I said, uh, oh, 11. 11 people. <laughs> when I saw you, I was rolling. It's funny, but to be fair, those people would have probably just gone from even from um seated to standing. Eh? No, it's level not possible. One. It's, oh, not it's not possible. possible to go down. No, you have to have okay. So the reason why we were able to go from standing to sitting is because the path that we went through was it was called floor standing. Like I I don't know, like like for you for you to because I told you last time that if you wanted to get like a drink or go to the toilet, mm-hmm. you're able to go upstairs, but you needed mm-hmm. a standing wristband okay for them to let you go like it was like a green wristband mm. and when you're when you're sitting down you don't get any wristbands yeah you're right okay. so you can only you could it's only people that could go from like ah. sitting, standing to seated mm. or if you're going from level four to level one but i don't know some people you can kind of twang the guy that's letting people you know Mm. Maybe if you show a bit of breast, I don't know. <laughs> but to be fair, though, I think I think all of us know that when you um, whenever you're at the O2 anyway, of course, all the seats are not really sold out. Like there's always those ones that have the black, you know, the black cover mm. that goes. To be fair, to be fair, that black cover wasn't on at oh. Burnaby. Really, even it wasn't there. No. That's no. interesting. What do you mean at the back, as in where the no, stage like is? No, like when you're um. Oh, okay. So you know the stage, yeah. Imagine you're looking directly across the. Ocean. Yeah, normally there's that black. Yeah, thing there's there. a black yeah, thing on top. Yeah, it was. I, 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 I don't recall seeing that. Wow. But don't, but don't quote me. But at the same time, <laughs> the only, the only, the only place that I've ever seen that happen is actually at like places like concerts like the Vido concert or like yeah. a Whiskey concert mm. but I don't recall seeing it at Burner Boy but please don't quote me I don't know yeah. I don't think maybe I didn't look that far into the distance but we'll see we'll see if it's at Whiskey. I mm. doubt it though because that shit sold out so yeah, that's true, that's true. damn y'all nice. see you there <laughs> <laughs> we won't be seeing her there but I know anyway. I know but you know what I mean we'll see we'll go there at the concert if that makes sense <laughs> Oh god! No, because you Sorry. know what? It, you know what? But you know what? Someone tweeted like, "Um, I'm now getting the ick of of people that have didn't get whiskey tickets." <laughs> oh yeah, so because that. Actually... how can you be so um? Of course, how can, so, someone said, "How can you lead a family if you can't even get whiskey?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I saw that. laughs> 
I feel like, oh, God, it's giving me the ick because you don't have whiskey. You weren't able to secure. No, but that's actually giving me the ick, though. Like, how can you not secure? Like, there were so many opportunities. That even if, you got, yeah, even if you got honestly. level four. It's true, though. But no one's getting level four. Well, we'll see people. In people were four. there, so they got level four. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Okay, guys, so as you know, each week we do a song of the week, but as we have a special guest with us today, I'm going to pass it over to Ditto to do her song of the week. Um, so my song of the week is Free Mind by Thames. Um, I've been listening to that on a loop for a long while, trying to learn the lyrics. You know the ones where you're just like vibing to it and you're like, okay, wait, let me actually find out what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just been looping it, looping it, trying to harmonise and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah. That's, that's <laughs> no, this babe is actually me. So what the hell? <laughs> you're actually me because that's actually how I am. Yeah. <laughs> every harmony find it mm-hmm. that is actually so funny that's actually me though like especially with barry J as well mm. like i'll be like this song actually slaps and i'll be like hold on a minute what's this guy even saying <laughs> going back and i have to be learning it okay guys so as usual we'll link that in our story and we'll add it to our spotify i was gonna say spotify hey god <laughs> help me we'll add it to our spotify and apple music playlists and we'll add it to our story on instagram so you guys can check it out there okay guys so if you didn't know september is sickle cell awareness month and if you've been listening to us for a while you'll know that last year we spoke a bit about this but we thought this year we would actually get someone on the pod who suffers from this disease to speak a little bit more about what the disease is and how it's impacted her life and also what we can do to help. Um, so Tita, I'm going to pass it over to you, I guess. Can you just explain like a little bit about what the disease is for people who don't know? Yeah, um, so sickle cell is an inherited condition. Um, it's genetic. You inherit um, the trait from both parents. Um, which results in the full-blown condition. It's basically one where it affects the formation of your red blood cell. So instead of your red blood cells being like um, a more circular shape and more flexible, instead it's more like a crescent almost. That's where the name comes from, like a sickle. Mm. Um, And then that kind of just makes it difficult for your blood to to flow freely through your body. Um, So you, you can imagine because of how rigid it is, it can get stuck in like blood vessels and stuff, which causes like a great deal of pain. Um, and like there are so many different like effects that can happen because of that. So pretty much anywhere in your body where your blood can flow, an issue can happen. Like if your blood gets like stuck there, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically what is. So for so for example, um, uh, when like let's say like this happens like in my leg or something like this is it kind of causes a lot of pain which is referred to as a sickle cell crisis. Um, and it's like, it's it's indescribable pretty much. Like, it's hard for me to describe what it feels like, but that's mm-hmm. one of like the, the um, well-known, well, one of the most, yeah, one of the, one of, sorry, my English is all over the place. One of the um, most known symptoms, um, but there's other stuff such as like jaundice um, and just like the fatigue um, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's it in a nutshell basically but it's a condition of like the blood cells Mm. and also another question I had as well is um so you know how you mentioned at the start that you have sickle cell anemia Mm. is the anemia like a symptom of the disease or are 
the is the disease and anemia interchangeable does that make sense um so it's a symptom so sickle cell there, there are quite a few different conditions that fall under the um, name sickle cell in the sense where different variations of the condition but at the end of the day it's all the same in the sense where um the issue is where the blood cells aren't really forming properly mm. um so the one that i have which is sickle cell anemia where my genotype is ss is the most severe and um we're basically because of um so the, the anemia comes from the fact that our blood cells can't hold as much oxygen mm-hmm. um so it gets used up pretty quickly in our body um and we just don't have as much energy to do things that people like the typical healthy adult can do um but a lot of people with sickle cell um that irrespective of the variation do experience anemia but some um variations experience it more than others mm-hmm. okay that's interesting because yeah that was something i didn't know and i was speaking to my mum about this yesterday mm. and i'm like, I'm not sure if they're interchangeable or not Mm -hmm. and thank you for explaining that and then I guess like another question I had as well is how is it or how does it impact your life so like how did it impact your life when you're at school uni Mm -hmm. now that you're working and stuff um so it's it's one of those conditions which well we're, we're always told that it kind of gets worse as you get older um when I was younger when I didn't really know much about my health so basically my parents are the kind of parents where they're like well my mom mainly where she's like um she didn't want me to say that I had sickle cell like the whole don't like what you confess is what you possess kind of stuff so Mm. I see it as her kind of like trying to protect me and just trying to like make me watch my words and stuff like that um so everything in terms of my health kind of like kept on the down low and like people only knew about my health if they needed to know Mm-hmm. um so growing up it was more of a thing where I didn't have a full understanding of what sickle cell was but I knew what I had to do um my parents were really good in terms of making sure that I like avoided my triggers um mm. and then like every five minutes with Tissel have you had water like keeping hydrated is a really important um thing to do in terms of managing sickle cell so it's like constantly drinking water um staying warm um resting so I'm not um over like I'm not overexerting myself um so yeah when I was younger it was just kind of those things just to make sure that I'm managing my health as best as I could um and then as I grew older when my health started to become more of my responsibility I had to just like make sure that I knew what I was doing and why mm-hmm. um then I found like as I got older like there were times where like, I could manage it really well um my medication was working for me and like I can see the let's say for example I wasn't using my medicine for a, a period of time then I can start to see like I'd have more um crises and stuff like that but when I was using it consistently I was good um but then it was like around like when I was in like university like in my last year of uni where I had like, my dissertation to write I had like five pieces of coursework to hand in and I had five exams to revise for where I was just like back to back to back like hospital admissions and I was just thinking like what's going on and then Mm. um one of my nurses was like oh maybe it's stress because that at the time I didn't know that stress could trigger a crisis as well um but then I was like oh yeah that makes sense actually and that is kind of like it it just kind of clicked where I was like okay I need to do what I can to kind of avoid stress but at the same time like 
these are these are kind of like things which just they happen in terms of like everyone gets stressed everyone has to revise with these exams and stuff like that but for me it was just more of like I just needed to be more aware of what could worsen my condition and kind of kind of like be more intentional when I'm navigating it mm-hmm. um but yeah it's 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 one of those things where it's like having sickle cell that's all I've known um so it's one of those things where I've just tried to get you not tried to but I, I'm just like adjusting with it just trying to make it work kind of thing not not trying to like neglect it um and ignore it because if I do that it just kind of gets worse um but yeah I'm just trying to do my best to manage it and just go through life without triggering um like flare-ups basically mm-hmm. um I don't know Shane, if I'm able to jump in here yeah yeah, yeah go ahead. um I think you've touched on so many things and actually I think it'll be really good to to approach this this conversation as kind of like a journey through your life mm-hmm. um and I know you touched on it but I, I think that point that you've raised and obviously if it's something that you don't feel comfortable discussing obviously just let us know mm-hmm. but particularly um something that I I've always been interested in um and I have friends who who as well um suffer from sickle cell mania um but I'm they're my friends but they're not the friends that I interact with as often so mm-hmm. the times that I do see them I, I I don't tend to see them when they are in a crisis and things mm-hmm. like that um but putting that aside um I just wanted you to talk more about that ch- dealing with it as a child mm-hmm. um and obviously you've, you've mentioned that your mom and I think this is something that you know we know that this disease you know predominantly um affects black um black people so I think that stigma around having to not publicize when you're not well if that mm. makes sense it's something that everybody's parents even if you have sickle cell or not even if you're not well just a cold hey don't say you are sickle mm-hmm. you know what <laughs> i mean so i think it'll be really interesting just talk to that and um i guess my 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 actual question in itself is obviously you said you don't fully understand but now looking back mm. do you have any kind of not resentment or do you wish that your your parents approached it differently um, when you were younger? Sorry, before you answer that, well, um, if you could touch on this, I don't know if you're going to remember everything. If not, I'll ask again. Okay. But um, as you're like explaining like the journey and these things, could you also touch on um, like how your doctors were responding to this as well? Because mm. last year, I think it was last year, Beatrice, when we joined that. Um, clubhouse room and they were yeah yeah, they were discussing this and some people were saying like yeah if you've got like sickle cell these are the hospitals that you should go to like actually dedicated definitely logists I want to say um and these are the doctors that understand this ask for this doctor etc so Mm. I think we're addressing a lot here I think we should let's let's focus on the childhood one and like I said I think we'll then break it into different questions that will kind of walk through the journey if that makes sense Sharon yeah okay I was just thinking like, I don't know if it's gonna come as part of the journey like the doctor no it will will it will the questions that I have to ask okay cool okay yeah sorry. um okay so in terms of like growing up with it I don't um like resent my parents for how they handled it but it's more of a thing where I do wish they did it differently 
um so a lot of the information I found out about sickle cell was like online um I think maybe growing up I knew like one or two other kids or knew of one or two other kids who had it but still the discussion wasn't ever encouraged Mm. um it was like I don't don't know like um yeah they, they never really sat me down and explained what this condition is and when um even my first real understanding of this condition it wasn't from my parents it was from like my year five teacher so basically um it was cold outside I think it was raining one one day and then like I just know that whenever it's raining I can't go outside to play so I asked one of um, the girls in my class if she can stay inside with me. And she was like, why? And I was like, oh, because I have sickle cell. And she was like, what's that? And no one really challenges me when I just say, because I have sickle cell. And then I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and then um, my teacher overheard me. And she was like, basically, it's where your blood cells are like an O shape. She did like an O shape with her hands. Mm. Um, oh, sorry. When your your normal normal red blood cells, sorry, are like an O shape. But with me it's like a crescent shape so then she did a c-shape with her hands and to prevent like pain and stuff I just need to make sure I'm staying warm and drinking water etc just to make sure I'm as healthy as possible yeah and like that was like my first real understanding of why it's important for me to do the things which I've been told and trained to do yeah um and it was it was refreshing and then from there I was able to like go and do a bit more research like I was a bit more intrigued to see like what's actually going on with my body and stuff like that and kind of take mm. it more into my own hands. Yeah. Um, but before then, there wasn't really any discussion. It was just do like... Think, um, do you think that's more of a case because they themselves didn't understand it, if that makes sense? Because so, mm. obviously like, there's a difference between where someone doesn't understand something so they don't want to say it because they actually don't want to say the wrong thing mm-hmm. or someone's actually withholding information because they don't want to to discuss it I, don't I, know I can't actually tell you because like my mm. mom like my parents are really on job when it comes to my health um yeah. when I was younger like they would be the ones coming to the doctor like oh I found out about this new medicine like maybe mm. one auntie or one someone in one whatsapp group <laughs> told them something and then my mum would like write it down on paper I remember like her like opening her diary like oh what's this this and that mm. um but like, I, I don't know why like when it actually came to me maybe they thought that I was maybe too young to understand or yeah, yeah. maybe they just kind of wanted to save me like I, I never think of it as them like trying to put me um like put me at a disadvantage or anything I just look at it as like maybe they were just trying to protect me yeah. um in one way or another yeah um, I think, well like obviously I don't know your parents but mm-hmm. I would and when you can see your child going through something as difficult as this you definitely do want to protect them and just mm. I don't know like when you're when you're a child as well like ignorance is bliss and like you're yeah. carrying the weight of this on your shoulders like when there's nothing that you can actually do like when you're that young yeah. like you said, your parents were in control of your health it wasn't until you were older that you had to take it into your own hands so that could be even another reason too like mm. they just didn't want you to worry about it because mm-hmm yeah you're still young I guess yeah no it's true it's true um but like literally whenever I needed anything in terms of my health like they would literally rush to help me Mm. um if there was like like whenever it was cold like the layers that they would throw on me to keep warm (laughs) was ridiculous um whenever I was like ill like I still have like memories of them like literally carrying me to the hospital or like Mm. shifts like they will stay overnight and then, then the next parent will come just kind of like balancing the 
being there with me and then like still like because I still have like a younger brother and a younger sister so mm. it's just like dropping everything and still trying to like juggle everything so I'm really appreciative of like everything that they've done yeah um, but I feel like there are better ways to handle it um as opposed to just kind of keeping it hush hush like it's better to have like an open discussion mm. um just so that it's not such a strange thing and I think that's kind of like why I was so um me like me myself I was very like keep it on a need to know basis um up until maybe like 2017 mm. where I started to become a lot more open with my health and it just kind of led to the things I'm doing now but yeah um yeah yeah I think that's actually a good point I think if anyone's listening um that I don't know maybe might even have their own child that suffers from sickle cell or something I think that that's a very good um a good takeaway to to think about Mm. um I guess kind of moving on then so that's kind of like on your childhood um I guess like you just said now and the, the point that Sharon raised in terms of when it's now into your own hands that's kind of when you you really start to explore what sickle cell is and and, Mm. um and having to manage it yourself so I guess it'll be interesting to to think about maybe like a a particular moment where it kind of like really became evident that yeah this is something that like you need to take into your hands Um, Mm. I don't know if there was like a particular episode or crisis but then also um you mentioned that you went to uni and I think um particularly when I think about all the people that I know as well um that have been battling with sickle cell uni is a really stressful time because Mm. I'm even thinking of people who are you know healthy like the stress that uni Mm. puts you under and the things that your body has to undergo through uni it's it's really really taxing on the body um so I guess in terms of that it'd just be interesting to know more about your uni experience Mm. and even essentially how it is having a you know to be away from home so maybe being away from your normal doctor Mm. how was that whole kind of experience there and and also I think as well just another point to add the role of like your friends um and kind of like how how your friends kind of linked into your journey because I think Mm -hmm. that's again something that a lot of I know people have a lot of questions on you know okay I might not have anyone that's close to me that suffers a sickle cell but Mm -hmm. let's say I do meet somebody that does or for example or if I'm like away and I come in contact with somebody in a crisis like what is it that I can do kind of thing so mm-hmm. yeah it'll be interesting to know kind of maybe how your friends have, have played the part in 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 kind of an episode or or something mm-hmm. um yeah okay about my like, experience in terms of uni um it was uh, it was it was it was an experience like mm-hmm. uh, I think that's when I was kind of tested the most in terms of my health where yeah. I realized that it's literally like no one is like my parents can't check up on me they can't ask me every day to still have you use your medicine to still have you had enough water like it's you're an adult to still go and go to uni look after yourself kind of thing and there were times where so like the medicine that I um, was using at the time like it has like a cumulative effect where it helps me create um healthier red blood cells um and if I don't use it for maybe like one or two times like not even one or two, if I don't use it, I'm not going to notice the effect straight away. But maybe like a month later or maybe like a few weeks later, let's say I have a crisis. I know it's because I haven't used my medicine um, and it hasn't really built up enough healthier red blood cells. Um, So like, I remember there was a time where 
I don't even know why, but I God knows I didn't use my medicine for like at least a month, and like shock, <laughs> I I had a crisis and I was hospital and I was in hospital, and it was just like damn, like if I don't fix up, if I don't do what I know I have to do for myself, then this will be a regular occurrence. And mm. the experience is never great, and it's one where it's like I don't even know why I put myself through this if I could have avoided it. Um, so that just kind of like made me realize that okay, Tito, like no one is actually gonna, no one is feeling this besides you. Um, like if you know what you have to do, do it. So then, like from there, it was more of like okay, cool. Like let me do, let me be more active in terms of my health. Um, with uni, a lot of the times with uh, like even for the, for the times where I was consistent, like sometimes a crisis will still happen. Um, there were so many different triggers, some which I know, some which I don't know. Um, so there were a lot of like times where I had to push back a deadline, mm. um, things like that. And that's kind of like a catch-22 in the sense where in that moment, I don't have to worry about it. But then I know that when I'm recovering, when I'm better, mm. I'm going to have like twice the amount of work, and not as much time to focus on like other stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm guessing yeah, it's more, more, yeah, cause exactly. more stress and then lead you back into a crisis. Exactly. Um, like, I made it at the end of the day. Um, I even remember, like, because, like, with sickle cell, it's, like, <coughs> one of those things where, because it's invisible, no one can actually see that, mm. like, unless I'm, like, maybe physically crying or something, no one will ever know that something's wrong. Mm. Um, and I remember one of the days, one day, like, you know when, well... I kind of like tried to push my limits a bit. So it was Barfest and um, Barfest is a, basically a bar crawl. Um, I went to uni and left. I went to De Montfort University. Um, so I was there, my top cut up and everything. <laughs> and I think it was like, you know, February. And I think it was like February. February is like one of the coldest months like, yeah. of the year. And I don't know who I thought I was. But anyway, I went. Oh, that that day was even a mare anyway because like I lost my phone, like it was like kicked down a drain. But that's besides mm, the point. Uh, oh god! Yeah, it was, it was a mess. Thing. And oh. then like the next day, like the next morning, I woke up and like I was in so much pain. Um, like my arms, my back, my legs, literally everywhere because of the cold that I was exposed to. Mm. Um, the cold and then like alcohol. Um, drinking alcohol causes dehydration. So yeah. Um, my blood will it won't it's not as easy to move um through my body anyway so that that just that was like one of probably one of the worst crises I've had um in a long while so I remember calling like the ambulance going there I think I was in hospital for like at least a week and it's just crazy wow. suddenly like my friends like who I was with going out with the night before will come and see me and I'm, it's just like a completely different image mm. um and some friends who didn't even know will come and see me as well and it's just like having to explain to them what sickle cell is how it affects me and stuff like that um but it was a lot like a lot of occasions where it's like just such a drastic change and it's just like okay it's all like you're not the same as everyone else like mm. you have to take your precautions like irrespective of the occasion like it's not worth the situation that you you could potentially be, be put in mm. um yeah so that that's like the general like uni experience I guess um but in terms of my friends my friends are literally a godsend um 
in terms of dealing with like my health and stuff I remember for like the first two years of uni I was again it was kind of like need to know basis but I remember my friend came to my room once and I think she saw like a hospital appointment letter I pinned up on my board and she was like oh what's this and I was like oh I have sickle cell and then it was like okay cool like um oh I know about it stuff like that Mm. and then whenever like I would be admitted they would visit me and like make me food and stuff like that um because hospital foods is just I'd just rather not Mm. um then it those that was calm and I was happy with that um but when it came to like my last year of uni that's when like I met friends who literally took my health into their own hands like it was their Mm. own health um so I remember I just I dropped it to them so casually like it was nothing that I had sickle cell and then um two of them invited me out to eat like a week later and they were just like okay you said this but what does it mean how can we help you stuff like that like you're you're one of us now like you're you're our friend like what can we do to support you and I was and I was like (laughs) this smiling bear like oh guys like I've never been like spoken to like this before in terms of my health like no one ever really brings it up again or takes note of it the way that they did um I was just telling them stuff like in terms of like my triggers and stuff like that how they can help me um Mm. and just kind of keep me accountable um but yeah I remember um I was in so when I was like in hospital back to back because of like the stress of um uni work um they came to visit me once even before they visited me um they, they were like is there anything that you need and I remember like when they called me I was just really drowsy because I was using really strong painkillers mm. and I was thirsty so this is something that I could have just told a nurse or someone anyone working there, and they could have got me a cup of water but I was like to my friends oh my gosh I'm so thirsty and they came to the hospital with like a big suitcase full of like 23 <laughs> two liter bottles of water <laughs> and I'm just like guys what am I gonna do with this like I was so touched but like it was literally one of them ones where like they felt helpless but they were like if there's anything mm. that we can do we will do it and we will overdo it kind of thing yeah. show our support um and that was like one of those times that it just really like it touched me I was like damn like these people actually have me um and then they're the kind of friends where like um I'll be like to them oh um, I need to drink at least two liters of water a day and I'll be dozing off and then irrespective of the time they'll wake me up be like you haven't finished your water and I'm just like guys like leave me alone but it's it's, it's like it's still kind of them like showing like they really do care about my health and stuff like that like they're not gonna mm-hmm. let anything slide like mm-hmm. if there's anything that they can do to help that they will yeah um, and I remember like another time when I was in hospital as well um it's again one of them feelings of like helplessness but they were like if there's anything that we think that we can do to help then we will so one of my friends was like he's gonna start donating blood because that's when um I think I started like I had my first blood transfusion yeah and he was like oh um what if there's like an emergency one day and they need blood I just want to be able to say here take my arm kind of thing like I was like okay yeah you're being dramatic and stuff but it was still another thing where I literally like my whole friendship group um the all all of those friends they they all donate blood so it's just like damn like you guys actually are doing everything you can like you're actually following through with it as well yeah um so yeah they're they're literally I could speak about them for forever like they're actually (laughs) a godsend and they they've made it um a lot easier to talk about sickle cell and stuff they encouraged me to share my blog because I remember when I first started which was like 2012 or something my blog was anonymous 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had like 27 views for like the three years I had it. But then <laughs> when um when I spoke to them more, told them told them about told them sorry about this blog they were like hey yeah you have to you have to start this again kind of thing and they held me to it um so they really like pushed me in terms of sharing and Mm. pushed me in terms of making sure that I look after myself and just basically like that they've got me basically so yeah yeah, I'm just really thankful for them to be honest like they're they're literally amazing (laughs) but yeah they've helped a lot in terms of um me managing my health so mm. yeah that's that's what I have to say there's quite a bit but yeah <laughs> no that's really really nice and I think um we'll definitely have to come back to the point you raised about obviously giving blood mm. but I guess um the the part that I think is that will be again really interesting to hear is about your experience with the doctors mm. in those hospitals so I guess mm-hmm. one the aspect of being away from maybe your home doctor that will probably know you a bit more and I guess as well, because obviously you went to the Midlands. Yeah. I don't know how the Midlands operates, but I'm guessing that, you know, the chances of there being a high pop- a high population or, or a decent amount of black people in there, for mm-hmm. example, to for them to be dealing with sickle cell. Because I think Sharon touched on um, the clubhouse room that we that I, I we both kind of joined occasionally. Mm. And one of the major things they were talking about is essentially, you know, there's situations where you might even go to the to the hospital and explain that you're in a crisis and they're like crisis who mm-hmm. kind of thing so mm-hmm. yeah I guess it'd be interesting to talk to just hear more about kind of your experience with the actual doctors and and kind of yeah. how yeah, how how did that play a part yeah so um I live in South London and my hospital that I go to when I'm home is St George's in Tooting and okay. they're really good in terms of like they have like really good doctors and people who actually Sorry, know I don't I mean I'm not a London person I'm I'm, I'm Essex how far how <laughs> far is that from where you live um it's like it's not far at all it's like maybe like 20 minutes okay drive maybe okay. yeah it's not that so, close but it's not that far okay yeah exactly exactly okay. It's, it's manageable yeah. but yeah they're, they're really good in terms of the care that they give um but before university so I started uni when I was 18 before uni I was like in the like under pediatric care Mm. and then when I go to university I'm suddenly I'm 18 now and suddenly I'm in like I'm in adult wards and stuff like that and the difference Mm. is crazy in terms of like the attention that they give each patient like the resources not necessarily the resources but like the the wards that we're in and stuff like that like it's it's just a completely different ball game. As in it's, um, oh, sorry, as, as in it's when you say it's different, is it better or is it worse? Oh no, it's it's worse. Um, a lot more money, attention, care goes into kids who aren't feeling well in comparison to adults. Um, mm-hmm. like sometimes, like when I was when I'd be in a child in a child ward, there'll be like more food to pick from, better like entertainment, the beds, the wards even look nicer. Um, but when I was suddenly put in this adult ward, it's like the rooms are like mixed. So it'll be me and like maybe like four or five different other people. Um, and they're and like with sickle cell, so hematology is often paired with like oncology. Um, so patients who are being treated with um treated for cancer. Mm. Um, so a lot of the time when I'm admitted to these wards, um, especially when I was in Leicester, like it would be people who are like triple my age and 
it, it wasn't pleasant at all like people who um like they just have a lot more needs and they can't really look after themselves the way they need to and privacy isn't really mm. um, much of a thing in such wards um so it's it's not as it's not a nice experience and it wasn't really a great transition like it was just suddenly like the level of care is just kind of dipped um not it's not necessarily anyone's fault but it's just like it's it's a significant difference basically yeah um but like yeah it's it's true especially like because in london there's a higher population of people with sickle cell um when you go further out and like, into like the midlands and um even further there are less there are less and less people with sickle cell meaning that it's natural that there's less experience dealing yeah. with sickle cell patients yeah um so a lot of the time not a lot some of the time it's like you you're not really treated with the urgency you should be treated with like I remember once when um I went to A&E because I wasn't feeling well and with me I know that if I'm having a crisis so bad that I have to go to A&E I'm there for I'm staying for at least a week like if it's beyond my control I'm ready to go there and be like hey listen look after me I'll pack my bag I remember I went to A&E once and I was like okay cool like I'm where I should be and then they didn't even want to admit me like they discharged me in A&E and I was like hold on a minute like I can't go home because if I go home I'm going to be back here in like an hour or two so Mm. it was just like when I was feeling so bad I still had to like get up and kind of like bite my case almost and be like I actually can't go home um and it's just stuff like that which shouldn't have to happen um and, and and it wouldn't happen for me if I was in my hospital back home because they're more familiar with me um they've seen me they know my case um but I guess with um Lester what I would say that eventually it got to a point where let's say I, I knew I was going to be admitted I'd be able to call the ward directly so that they can like start preparing a bed for me um this kind of like reduced the time that um it would take for me to wait in A&E um but yeah, there's still some things like, like I remember I have an experience where, um, I remember I called A and E, and I think I was waiting there in like so much pain for at least like three, four hours, and it was one of those ones where like they mm-hmm. won't prescribe me stronger pain medication until I'm like admitted into the ward or something like that. So mm-hmm. I know that when I got in the ambulance, they gave me um, morphine. And then they gave me like gas and air. Um, but then when I get into A and E, all they would give me is like paracetamol. And I'm like, this is like uh-uh. Yeah. And I was just like, this doesn't make sense. And they was like, okay, can I at least have like the gas and air? And they refused it at first. And I was like, why? Like it doesn't make sense. Like, cause that I can actually feel the effects um a bit more instantly. And it's um and it helps distract the pain. Um so and it it's just like they refused it for no reason. Cause eventually like they could see that. I was in so much discomfort that they gave it to me, but maybe like an hour or two later after I actually asked for it. So it's just like unnecessary hurdles which are in the way. But and and I think it's because of their unfam- unfamiliarity. I hope I said that right. Yeah. Um, with the condition. Um, but yeah, when I when I'm home, like I don't really run into such issues. But there's there's just a different level in terms of care that you get in places where they're not as familiar with the condition um and I don't know I I could be completely wrong Mm. so this is actually just a question but when you're moving from like one area to another so like one Mm. doctor to another or one hospital to another 
is that new hospital not able to access like your medical records and do you have to in these crises still explain like this is what sickle cell disease is because I'm just I'm just trying to understand like how you can be in so much pain but then still mm-hmm. having to be explaining the condition yeah I, I don't even know how it works with them I think so okay when I went to this hospital I was given um a new hematologist but I think when for example I'm in like A&E I'm not even speaking to the hematologist yet I'm speaking to the doctors and the, the the people the first responders who are dealing with me there and then and it takes mm. a while let's say for example I call A&E at like 2am in the morning my doctor isn't necessary she's not always able to be contacted um until she starts work the next day so it's like wow. the people who are making the decisions don't have access to the information that would speed up the process or, or um, help me the way that should um I don't think it's I don't think the system is there for them to just like access it as easily as they should be able to um but yeah it's, it's a lot of a lot of the cases a thing where some of the doctors who are dealing with us as patients don't really know as much as they could um or should know um and in order like to even make these decisions in terms of our medication and stuff like that but like sometimes you just have to like hold out until we actually get admitted or um I know for me like if I do go to the hospital now I at least know that I'm packing my own painkillers as well which is kind of like it it shouldn't be the Mm. case but there are times where like let's say they offer me paracetamol and at home I already have like morphine and stuff like that it's like Mm. I'd rather just use it myself than wait for you because you don't know what you're talking about kind of thing yeah um but yeah not that I'm gonna overdose but like I know what I need I know how to manage it at home and if I can do a better job managing it myself than than what you're doing then I'm gonna keep doing what I know is right for my body if that makes sense um but yeah there's a lot of um disconnect in terms of getting the right information to treat each patient as opposed to just trying to do what you think is right basically wow Mm. and so in terms of like treatments and stuff Mm. um what well I don't know if you know like all the names of the medicines that you use and Mm. stuff but like what treatments are there and what do they do and then I don't know if you can touch on like um that future research that's happening if you Mm. know that um, I don't know. So I just want to jump in here before you answer because I think, you know, obviously when we hear about when we hear exactly from people like yourself mm. talking about being admitted to the hospital for like weeks, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's scary, and I'm, I'm sure that's scary, obviously for yourself because mm-hmm. you're obviously in the hospital, mm-hmm. but as well like when as you know we don't have full sight or like we don't, I don't really hear much about what exactly like is happening during Mm. that time are they trying to get you to a certain like place Mm. um so I guess just talking about kind of yeah the journey in hospital and like what when you go into hospital obviously I know you're in a crisis but when you leave like what is yeah what is the aim kind of thing yeah um so with that I guess the aim is just to rule out so um, sometimes a crisis can be a result of um, an infection. Okay. So I know with me, I have, so like I said, I have like oral morphine that I take um, if my pain gets really bad. 
But with that, I'm always advised that if I feel like I need to use such strong medications, I should always let my doctor know, like even if I'm at home or try and come in if I can, because it could be a sign of an infection and they don't want me to like just combat it with painkillers um, mm. and maybe potentially not actually treat an underlying issue. Um, so when I'm in hospital, it's the thing where they want to like rule out um, infections they will attach me to like an IV drip just to make sure I'm hydrated and they'll give me painkillers um, like around the clock, basically. And it's just kind of just like taking or, or getting my health back to like a manageable um, level. Um, one where I'm actually able to, for example, like move around and stuff like that. Because some, sometimes where I just physically can't do things myself. Um, but just kind of just treating it to a point where I can actually become more independent um but there have been times where like I remember I think there there was like overcrowding or something in the hospital where they needed like more beds um and I got to a point where like I was still in quite a bit of pain but all that was happening was that they were giving me medication um however frequently they were allowed to do so. And I think it got to a point where my consultant or someone, not my consultant, but someone was like to me, one of the doctors was like, oh, um, that's basically suggesting that I can do what I'm doing at home. Um, so what I'm doing in the hospital at home, kind of just like, kind of like to nudge me to say that, yeah, I can be discharged because they needed the bed for someone else. Wow. And it was just like, damn, like, I'm really not feeling great. And if it was up to me, I would still be here for like a few more days, maybe until like I felt good enough to be in my own space. But it was like, it just felt like, you know, like the constant questions and the constant like nagging and eventually it's like, you kind of feel that, okay, maybe I'm like wasting the NHS resources or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I can take this medicine home and just use it there. But I think it's more of like, just not not really... I don't know, like being watched over um, by people who are professionals that kind of just brings you like reassurance that, okay, if anything does go wrong or um, if you're not able to look after yourself, then you're in the right environment to get help. But when um, she was like kind of saying these kind of stuff, I was just like, damn, okay, yeah, fine. Like eventually I was like, yeah, I'll go home. Um, And I remember that was, I think this was like two years ago. And I remember like still feeling really bad for like another week plus at home. And I was just like, this shouldn't, like, I was even considering um, going back to the hospital again, which is just kind of like counterintuitive. Um, but yeah, it was, I didn't have to go back at the end of the day, but it was still one of those ones where it's just like, it it wasn't an, an ideal situation, kind of feeling pressured to leave the hospital before um, you felt ready to be discharged um and I guess it's just kind of knowing that you are able to say like no um that I'd rather stay etc and just not necessarily like feeling pressured and stuff like that but yeah I hope that answered the question I feel like I'm, I'm rambling yeah, a bit but, yeah it does definitely I wanted to ask a question um sorry I've been quiet because I'm just taking everything in mm. so in terms of like um like finding a cure to sickle cell and things like that mm. I've been told in the past where like there's no like 
actual cure but at the same time i see a lot of people saying that oh i've been cured of sickle cell like i've mm. had many blood transfusions and things like that and i don't mm. have any more um blood with um with mm-hmm. the disease basically so how come there's this whole um i don't even know what to call it like there's 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 a lot of talk about like there's no cure and things like that mm-hmm. so why like how come there isn't like this massive push for people that have sickle cell to go and get loads of blood tra- like to get it, to get it out of their mm-hmm. to get to get the sickle blood out of them um mm-hmm. is it due to they're not people not um donating blood or is it due to the um not a lot of like we said not a lot of doctors know there's been instances where doctors don't even know what sickle cell is things like that so like how 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 do we how do we go about how do we go about that if that makes sense Mm. um so there is a cure for sickle cell but it's pretty risky so um it's a bone marrow transplant Mm. and um there are quite a few issues so this is something that they tend to they prefer to do on children because when you're younger there are more chances that your um body will accept the transfusion i mean accept the the um the yeah the bone marrow transplant and like at that age or when you're younger your immune system isn't as built up so in order to get this transplant you have to um go through chemotherapy to kind of get rid of your own immune system and then they'll give you this and then it kind of just like builds that that's where kind of a lot of the risk comes in the sense where um like you can catch any like infection and then it can be like so bad because you haven't got any natural resistance to it already in your body um so it kind of gets risky as you get older and then also there aren't that many people or these people from um uh afro-caribbean background on the um bone marrow registry so it's like finding a match is kind of difficult especially people kind of tend to go to like their family members to see if they have a match but um sometimes like you don't find one and there's no one on the registry who is a match for you um so when there aren't many people on the registry obviously your options are limited um but yeah that's that's one of the options but those are one of the things where like even me if it was offered to me right now I'm in two minds as to whether I would go with it because of the risks that are carried along with it um there's there's quite a bit that could go wrong and then there's quite a bit that can go right as well so it's just more of like where are you in life um how like like how like what are you hoping for and stuff like that and me personally I feel like like I I thank god because I feel like I'm in a situation where I'm pretty good at managing um, my health and I feel like my treatment is working really well for me um so currently I I have um blood transfusions every six weeks so they give me like nine units of blood and they take away my blood um, at the same time. And this takes maybe around like three hours every six weeks. Um, and it kind of, it works in the sense where if the issue is with the blood, then replace it kind of thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it's helped me a great deal. I think I've, I've been doing it for like, like since 2019, like May 2019. And, and it's helped me a great deal in terms of... Um, reducing the number of crises I have and like other sickle cell related symptoms as well um but even with that 
um, it's a thing where a lot of people with sickle cell um, either use these transfusions or um, are looking to, but it's a, it's a thing where like there may not be enough blood donors for us, um, especially people, um, black, sorry, black donors who are more likely to be closely um, a closer match um, with us so that our body can accept the donation. There aren't as many. Um, so yeah it's just one of those things where like there's just a mismatch in terms of the numbers and like there's there's more of a demand um, but yeah I hope that answers <laughs> the question as well yeah definitely it does I think that also like leads on to another point about like blood donations and maybe you can also touch on um, other things that people can do to help if there are other things that they can do but I think that's why like well I'm really passionate about this and I wrote my dissertation about it which I think everyone's probably heard me say before Mm um and I was having this conversation with my mum yesterday and she was just asking me like why I'm passionate about it and why I give blood and the reason I started giving blood was just because I could so when I turned eight I think it's when you turn 18 you can start giving blood and Mm -hmm. I was just like oh this is something I can do let me just do it um and then when I did my dissertation Um, I became more serious about it because I know for a fact that there aren't very many people. I mean, the population of black people in the UK already is small anyway. And then of that population, the population that actually give blood is like minuscule. Mm -hmm. And like you said, um, there's a greater match if the blood is going from black, a black person to a black person. And because I'm O negative, I can donate to everyone. Um, And so that's why I guess I, I'm really passionate about this topic and giving blood and try and do it as regularly as I can, which is, I think, for women three times a year. Mm. But outside of that, and obviously you've mentioned what your friends do as well, which is so amazing. But as someone who maybe wants to do something to help, um, but doesn't have any people in their immediate circle who's suffering, is there anything else that people can do? Yeah, I think with um sickle cell awareness in general like we just need to get the conversation starting like, it's just natural that the more you talk about something the more the more attention that it gets the more people who are aware then eventually that just leads and it's just like a snowball effect in terms of like um more research more funding towards sickle cell um better treatment and things like that so i feel like it all starts with conversation and just people actually understanding what this condition is um and that's that's pretty much all I like ask for just in terms of like people becoming more aware of the condition um, mm-hmm. and then it just naturally follows that people with the condition are just treated better or treated the way that they should be um in terms of care or even just general conversations like in the workplace and stuff like that um but yeah yeah definitely um I think just to kind of steer the conversation in another direction so obviously on this pod we talk a lot about like relationships and dating and stuff like that so like I don't know whether have you had any um I don't even know how to phrase the question like has there been any challenges and stuff in things like that in terms of like um people like fully under like for you to be in a relationship or to be dating someone um, and obviously you have sickle cell, they'll need to know like 100% everything that's going on um, Mm -hmm. with you and things like that. So have you had anything, any challenges um, 
in that subject or maybe not challenges have you have, have you had any wins I don't know what the opposite mm. challenges are but yeah mm. how is it in terms of um dating and things like that sorry um, can I add to that before you answer to sorry sorry yeah, I know you're doing this but um just to yeah I guess just to add so like when I was on this clubhouse room I think it was last year another thing that they mentioned in this area as well is like when do you bring that topic up and I was just I was just listening but a few people who actually have sickle cell were talking about like when they would bring it up and I wondered whether you had whether you just like if you have a time that you do bring Mm. it up or if you just kind of see how it goes or Mm. that sort of thing (coughs) yeah um so my experience with this, I think earlier before I started sharing so publicly about my health, it was a very like hard conversation to kind of like bring myself to to discuss. So um, I remember I was talking to someone and I wanted to ask him to like find out his genotype. And mm. it's just like one of those ones where it's like, it's really early days and you don't kind of want to scare them away thinking like, oh, you're already thinking about kids and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's just so much pressure because you don't want them to think that you're taking it too seriously. But at the same time, like, I I just don't want to waste time when it comes to stuff like this. Like, I don't want to get too involved and then realise that um, maybe they're, like, AS or something. And, like, that would just, like, break my heart. And I'll be like, Mm. oh, my gosh. Like, I don't want to be too invested before I find out, basically. Um, So I remember I just, like, had to write, like, such a long paragraph, basically just asking them to find out and stuff. And I was just so anxious. And they did it. And it was calm. And they were AA. Um, But that was, I mean, that wasn't even, that didn't even go far. But it was all good. (laughs) But but I was happy that I was still able to ask them. Um, And now it's more of a thing where, like, I'm just thankful that my, like, if you know me, you know that I, you know about my health, like, you know that I share about it, etc., so I know that um, when it comes to any future partners that they will already know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it won't really be that big of a deal when I bring it up. And I'm the kind of person I want to know as soon as possible. Like, you know what I'm about. Even like my friends who, um, like just, just anyone around me, like I'm all for like you finding like your genotype. It's just something that we need to know just full stop. Um, yeah. So maybe I'll even like try and like slyly do one of those, oh, do you know your genotype kind of thing? Oh yeah, it's important to find out kind of thing. Just kind of like um, encourage just the the knowledge in general. Um, But yeah, because of my platform, I'm I'm happy that people kind of know already what to expect um, when it comes to me. And I have every intention of having kids and stuff like that. Um, But I say all of that to say, um, at the end of the day, like, not everything is black and white not everything is that easy and there are several cases where people with sickle cell fall for someone or have a kid with someone who's like AS and like if that does happen to me like that's not ideal but I know that there are ways to go about it so for example if that is the case with me I know that um or at least I say that I plan like that every single child that I do have would be through like IVF or something like that like mm. I would have to be more intentional because I know that I wouldn't ever pass this on to like a kid like I, mm. I wouldn't if I can avoid it then I will um yeah. so if I'm making that decision to to be with someone who is um AS then I need to be aware that like there are consequences and just act accordingly almost mm-hmm. um 
but yeah th- those are my thoughts with that um but yeah for, for people who like don't have a platform like I do and people don't really know because a lot of people with sickle cell they they still keep it on like uh, on the DL kind of thing um it's just one of those things where we just have to kind of like bite the bullet because we know what could potentially happen it's just kind of like trying to avoid it at all costs um yeah you may seem like you're a bit too eager like I'm, I'm only just talking to you why are you asking me about kids and stuff like that but like it's better safe than sorry um mm-hmm. in my opinion so yeah wow no I think that's really important and um thank you for sharing that as well because I'm sure that someone listening can relate <laughs> Um, thank you so much Tito for joining us today I feel like this was a really informative pod and we haven't done one like this in a while so um, yeah I really appreciate you for taking the time to speak to us today and also answer like all of our questions I feel like we had so many but no, no, <laughs> it's my pleasure honestly thank you so much for, for inviting me of course no thank you so much and I feel like what you're doing with your Instagram as well has definitely inspired me and yeah I just I'll shout it out again so it's her sickle journey if you don't know how to spell that she's already spelt it like (laughs) way back go and rewind but um, her sickle journey on Instagram um and she shares a lot about sickle cell disease and um she just creates awareness and talks a bit about how you can help as well so definitely check it out um I've learned a lot through it as well which I really appreciate it even helped me when I was writing my dissertation which was good (laughs) um but yeah thank you guys so much for listening as always please let us know what you're thinking um using hashtag bjspod on twitter and you can follow us on our social media accounts on twitter and instagram thanks so much again Tito no thank you (laughs) and that's it bye everyone Bye. bye Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com